I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 523, and today we are talking about unsolicited advice, giving and receiving, I guess, uh, plywood versus solid wood, and milling boards in real time, and then sanding to high grits. There's too many ands. Wait, what? Totally screwed everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, milling boards in real time and sanding to high grits. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before April 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. I'm still trying to figure out what milling boards in real time means. <laughs> oh, but you're going to find out, sure my we'll friend. get there. You will get there. I mean, I will have to stay tuned. Maybe I'll stay here for the rest of the recording so I can find out what that means. Okay. Anywho, um, if you want to have support the show, you can do so, and we'd really appreciate that. You can go to our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This episode, we are going to be thanking Josh Luther, Aaron Williams, Eric Struggle something ski, Struggle Lilski. Struggle-looski? Oh, that's a good one. Struggle-struggle-looski? Struggle-looski? Struggle-looski? Struggle-bound. Something. Robert Gunn and Alex Adams. Hmm. Well, thank you, everybody, for your support. We always appreciate that on Patreon. Good stuff. Definitely. So this is a uh, second show for us, second recording. We're going to do our What's on the Dining Table. And look, we, you know, <laughs> we, heard, we heard you guys, okay? Shannon told us that at least three people? Four. Four? Four. How many? Four people. Four people complained about us talking about content production. I'm going to say one thing about that. Suck it up. This is this is content you're listening to right now? Yeah. We're producing content right now. Look, here's the thing. If you give us too much pressure and you complain too much, we're going to quit. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> or And that's good. not a threat because we've now done they it. Know. Or, now they or know. we're going to release the pre-show banter where we talk about buying coffee mugs. Well, they talked that's about right. buying coffee mugs. I rolled my eyes. Quietly, I convinced time. Matt to go buy one. So there's that. <laughs> That's the stuff that you take much convincing. Look, here's the thing: you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. That's the Wood Talk promise. Okay. Anything else? We don't want to hear about. It. Take it to Margaret if you have concerns and problems oh, and criticism. Poor Margaret. Oh boy. Now listen. Speaking of uh, unsolicited advice and criticism, <laughs> Shannon had a great topic idea for our dining table segment here. Why don't you kick it off? So I was out walking the dog the other day, and it was it was pretty cold. Not Matt cold, but like forty five degrees cold for this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, and it was like a the next day, the previous day was like sixty, seventy some degrees. So it's the kind of day where you're like, don't quite want to put a jacket back on. So you go out for a walk and you realize, ah, oh, crap, I should have put on a jacket. It's kind of cold out here. So long story short, walking the dog and I see this woman out in her front yard spray painting like like children's easels, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, 
and it's like it's like 45 degrees out here like that's a bit cold for be using spray paint so i continue on my walk get to the end and the end of my street and turn around and walking back and um i'm sorry let me let me back up she wasn't actively spray painting but you could tell she had just spray painted she was kind of cleaning things up and i'm thinking okay as i come back i see her open the can the rattle can and start shaking it up and start applying another coat in the back of my mind i'm thinking i wonder if she realizes that that is probably not going to go well like it's too cold um for adhesion most of these spray cans they'll tell you like focus around 60 65 degrees for proper adhesion and things like that and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. And then this little voice, like I'm, I'm, I'm like starting to intake breath to kind of say something. And this little voice that keeps me out of trouble says, yeah, shut up. Don't say anything because <laughs> it's never going to be received well. Like there's no amount like yeah. you're going to come off like some blowhard. And then the other, this other little voice pops up and says, also, you're going to come off as mansplaining. Like that's a whole other thing. This is a yeah. woman. You're a man. Yep. No matter what you say, no matter how helpful it will be it will come off as like mansplaining and I don't want to do that. So I continued on home. I got home and I turned to my wife and I recount, recounted the story and said, do you think there's ever a time when it doesn't matter, doesn't matter man, woman, whatever, that you could actually go up to someone and say, you know, you know, and, and try to find a way to be polite, you know, don't be like internet chat yeah. room. You should don't say, Hey dummy, yeah. what are you doing? Right. You know, <laughs> figure out the appropriate way to do this, you know, but, and she, she adamantly didn't even hesitate. Heather's like, no, uh, uh, never in a million years, just shut up, move on. (laughs) And then I started thinking, how funny is it that you can give advice all day long online, you know, the cloak of anonymity or somewhat anonymity and, and even give advice in a polite way. You know, there's certainly going to be lots of trolls out there giving their version of advice. But I think, especially in the woodworking community, I've seen a, a lot of like, critiques and design critiques and ideas and people usually take it in the right sense it's certainly been bad i think it's gotten a lot better in recent years but how funny Mm -hmm. is it that you can do that online but you can't do it in real life i cannot think of a time i've thought about this for a while i cannot think of a time where you could walk up to someone you don't know and say "Eh, you're doing that wrong you know obviously again find a better way of saying it i just i find that really funny you you can if you want to be a jerk, right? Right. Like that's yeah. The, people people do it all the time. You get a neighbor that comes over and, and tells you how you should be mowing your lawn or something right. like that. Like it's not cool, but it can happen. So I you don't should know. Mow your I find lawn. that very interesting. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should mow your lawn. Is actually <laughs> maybe that's it. Is actually what's it? What I usually say is, why don't you show me how to do it? I'll watch, and then I go in and get a beer, and I watch my neighbor uh, mow my lawn. Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. But I think the thing is, the only reason it can happen online is is because of that anonymity factor and the fact that you may not even know that, like, will that criticism even be heard? I think we're also very um, uh, sort of used to ignoring most of what comes at us because of, of the format online. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you get opinions and things thrown at you constantly as, you know, sorry, guys, as content creators, um, you get that stuff thrown at you all the time. You really do have to get good at learning to throw out the bad and trying to find the good in it. Right. Um, so, you know, so I think it's, it's a, it's a barrage of feedback that you just have to sort through, but man, I can't think in person outside of family or like good friends where you feel comfortable uh, getting to that point where you can do that and not just look like a jerk, even if you mean totally well. Right. Well, I guess the, the other difference is online. You can't, provide unsolicited advice until someone has posted something first, you know? So you put it out there. So you're kind of opening yourself up for people to respond. Whereas if you're in your front yard spray painting, you haven't posted anything. You're not asking for feedback. You know, you know that. So, I mean, I suppose maybe you could just start up a friendly conversation and go, Oh, very cool. What are you painting? You know, maybe it will go from there. Um, yeah. So maybe that's one way to look at it. But th- I guess that's the, the clear difference is when you've actually put it out there first, you are kind of asking for, I mean, isn't that really all social media is pay attention to me. Yeah. Look at me, like me, please okay. like me. I've got, I've got the the key. If this is how you would do it. You would go up, you got your, your little doggy there and you'd be like, Hey, Francine, or what's her name? <laughs> do you know her? You don't know. Her, I don't right? know her. No. <clears throat> okay. Her name's Julie. Hey, Julie. Uh, <laughs> I see your painting there. You know, the funny thing, like we get onto the painting thing and you go, 
You know, the funny thing is I tried to paint the other day. It was flipping cold and I couldn't, the, the paint just wouldn't cure. It was a sticky mess. How are you having success with this? What's your secret? Ah. Like turn it on them, put the pressure on them to, to give <laughs> oh the, my gosh. the trick to you. That, that uh, would work. No, it wouldn't. Listen, Matt, it would totally work. Julie would love that conversation. Uh, I see, I so. see, I, I see the mansplaining so. thing coming back to bite me no matter what I do. <laughs> If you say it the way I just said it, yes. But if you had a genuine conversation <laughs> yes. and you go, you know, the funny thing is I do some painting myself. I've never had luck painting in temperatures this cold. Um, is your finish actually curing? You know, like you, you could broach that topic and not look like a turd burger. I suppose. I guess. Why? Why do you need to even give the advice? Because you're That's trying exactly to save what my them wife from said. themselves. That's exactly what my wife said. She's like, why are you so important that you feel like you have to give advice? And I was like, okay, that put me in my place. Shutting up now. Yeah. Yep. What? A, so when we're talking about this online stuff, I'm curious, is there a way to do this online? Because a lot of people, there's two things happening. Like you said, Shannon, you're putting stuff out there and there is an assumption a certain percentage of people just assume because you posted a picture of a thing you made that you want criticism. And a lot of people just don't. <laughs> so like it's, I still find it personally. I find it very tricky. I, I take the same approach online that you take with your neighbor. I'm not going to offer criticism unless someone specifically says, Hey Mark, can you tell me what you think about this? No holds barred. Otherwise I'm going to shut up. I'm going to say that's a beautiful piece of furniture. I'm glad you're happy with it. <laughs> like I'm not, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not comfortable doing that to people even yeah, online. That's true. It's very true. What if it's is like, there a way that what if it's like something that I mean, I suppose if it's something dangerous, yeah, then I feel like I can speak up, you know, like, ooh, please don't do that again. Um, How about the the like you see this? This is the classic thing that I bite my tongue on because it's I just don't want to be that guy. It's, it's you know, it's a solid, large, solid panel with a solid wood frame and they're showing it keep, off. Keep walking. You just keep walking, right? <laughs> someone else take care of it. Just keep walking. Yep. That's someone else's problem, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. Keep, keep walking. walking. <laughs> because here's the thing. This person just made this beautiful thing, right? They love it. They're so happy with it that they posted a picture online and you're going to be the guy to be like, yeah, that's going to break in six months. <laughs> like, well, no, it, is, it may, you may, it may be, it won't. Maybe it'll be fine. I'll never know. Maybe but you'll then get six lucky. months when you're out walking again and you see that table all bent up like a potato chip. Yeah. Then you can be like, oh yeah. Well, look, there's that thing. See, learning, I was from, right. learning from the previous, previous example, you go, you know, the last time I made a table look like that, it just fell apart. <laughs> How did you do it? What's your secret? Uh, no, I'm with Matt. Keep walking. <laughs> Keep, walking. Keep walking. Don't even. Well, don't even. Is there uh, like so? Okay, all three of us have received plenty of criticism in the past. Is oh, there a way that basis. people? Is there a way that people have handled this in in a situation that you actually found it you know very helpful or very kind, even if they were not kind in their criticism, the way that they said it to you made it more palatable. Yeah. Well, usually if it's a little more like a thought out thing that that doesn't belittle me i guess yeah it's not that no kind of helps a lot <laughs> it's like usually it comes across like i just i'm just trying to look out for you here's like something you could do differently to make it a little easier for yourself or to be like safer about it or yeah or whatever i, I tend to respond more positively to that kind of feedback than you know you're an idiot i can't believe you're not dead yet <laughs> yeah you know like, like that that's right. or worse that's like a real haven't you died thing yet. that i get <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you just yeah. die already? Yes. <laughs> it's more like insinuating that I'm going to kill myself yeah. by doing something dumb. But yes, I, I get it. Why are you still around? You know, do you do you guys like unsolicited criticism on your work? And I'm not talking about let's not get off the content. I'm talking about your furniture, yeah. stuff you've made, unsolicited criticism after you post a picture. Isn't it all? Because it's not like I'm actually asking for it. Ever. That's true. Every comment is potentially unsolicited <laughs> criticism. <laughs> If there's but nothing you can do about it, like if the project is already done, I feel like that can oh. be hard to take. Um, sure. But I, I can say that I have gotten um, critiques, design critiques, joinery. Um, and a lot of it comes from the source. Like it depends upon the source. Um, so mm -hmm. like we have the benefit online of like clicking through to their profile and going, do you know what you're talking about? And Many times I go, oh, crap, <laughs> he really knows what he's talking about. Look at this body of work. Um, and that immediately makes me take it more seriously. Um, yeah. 
which that is, the, like I said, the nice thing about being online. Now, does that mean that somebody who hasn't posted a thousand one to, to go back to a previous episode, someone who isn't a wiener woodworker and has posted a thousand and one <laughs> things and maybe just is on Instagram just for the consumption. Um, yeah. And they say, you know, something about, uh, I really wouldn't do that again, or this might, you know, your, your table you just built. That's a little hard to take. Um, because you feel like, you know, who are you? Like, where is this coming from? Um, I do think a way that you could phrase it is if you kind of give some context, like, kind, see, Matt, I, I apologize, Matt, but I'm going to have to say Mark was right. Um, <laughs> phrase it the yeah, way baby. Mark was saying, look, I tried this before <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, I ended up going this route, you know, so someone who may not have that body work behind them, you can't vet them, uh, as Asa Christiana would say, woohoo, there's a throwback. <laughs> Oh uh, man, that's an old school reference. Old, yeah. Nicely done. Um, you know, if you can't vet them and they don't have that big body work, but if they do cite a specific experiential anecdote, you know, that was a lot of Scrabble words in one sentence. Um, you yeah. can at least go, okay, I see where you're coming from. Um, but I know personally I've gotten like joinery critiques from like guys who work at the Anthony Hay shop in Williamsburg. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Give me more of that. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. You know, or Christian Bexfort chimes up and you're like, yes, please, please tell me how then I can you, make better shaker up and pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> Acceptable. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, I trying to think recently, um, the, the TV console thing that I'm building, I posted some of those early pictures and it really became an exercise in, in grain direction and like negative space and just making uniformity in, in the design on the front. And I got it as far as I could posted the picture. And then I had a couple people who were like, I think two or three people who made a suggestion that in my initial reaction, because I'm, I'm kind of a jerk like that is shut up. I don't want to hear it. It's already for, far enough along. I don't, you know, it's good. It's fine. And then the more reasonable side of me settled in and I'm like, well, hold on. I, I need to, I need to be open to criticism because there are people who are better at this stuff than I am. And if I want this thing to look better, I should consider this. And I took a look and I'm like, yeah, they're right. I mean, there's this one more thing that I could do that actually would take this to the next level. Now I need to backfill and figure out how I'm going to make it happen because I've already designed myself into a bit of a corner here, but their suggestion made the piece better. Yeah. That can't, that doesn't always work. Designed by committee, the committee doesn't always work. But in this case, this one suggestion, I'm like, damn it, that was, that was a, a good idea. That was the last little icing on the cake that this thing needed. And I was really thankful for, you know, for the fact that these people spoke up. But I, you know, it, sometimes that could just as easily be a really bad suggestion <laughs> and it's on you to kind of make sense of it. It's a bit tricky sometimes. I found several instances where people make suggestions and like, I don't like any of their suggestions, but just the fact mm -hmm. that they made suggestions <laughs> made me look at it differently <laughs> and change it. Um, yep. Like a, a perfect example, my hanging tool cabinet in my shop, it's kind of like a focal point in my shop. Quite proud of it. I work at it every single day. I had this idea to use this big piece of, of kind of Asian, almost Tansu kind of inspired hardware to, to, to mm -hmm. on the front of the doors. And to the point where I had bought that hardware before I even built the cabinet, like I was going to design this cabinet around this hardware. And I remember taking a picture and like holding that up saying, okay, um, now I'm not sure. And like universally people are like, no, ditch it, go another direction. And I was so married to that hardware that I just yeah. didn't want to hear it. I had been like planning this for like six months to use this hardware and enough people said it. And I finally kind of stepped back and finally like, you know, had a little out of body experience and go, Oh, you know what? They're right. None of their suggestions. I like, in fact, I hated all of them and I went in a totally different direction, <laughs> but I didn't go with my original plan. So there is that. It did make you like reevaluate the whole situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Well, good luck to everybody in both offering and receiving criticism. <laughs> yes. Because it's not easy. And I, I've got a lot of respect for people who like openly accept it and take all critiques. Like give it, give it to, I'm in a learning phase here. Give it all to me. I want it all. Um, well, it, it's hard not to take things personally sometimes like that. And I, I really admire people who can separate that. There's, there's also this, like, you think you may know everything kind of mentality with stuff too that yeah. you have to kind of struggle through. So I actually have, I have a good example in my own life of me being put in my place, sort of to speak, I guess. Of that. Sweet. Let's get into I it. I was on, I was on Mark's favorite app. I was on TikTok. Third and, uh, Tinder, but, all right, fine. <laughs> Grinder. Is that what my favorites? <laughs> yeah. I think maybe. 
I was uh, I was watching one of those DIY little videos. Um, the person who made the video, she was adding some like under uh, kitchen sink pull-out drawer cabinet, whatever, whatever you want, those bins, whatever those are called, drawer things. Yeah. But they're not like, they're in the bottom, the drawers, whatever. And the the vibe of the video is like, oh, I'm just trying to like show people what I'm doing and, uh, you know, positivity and stuff. And I noticed that the slides she was using, I'm like, these are really thin looking slides. I'm like, those got to be side mount slides. I'm like, is that, I guess that works. You put side mount slides underneath oh, yeah. and have them I've be seen undermount. People, I've seen people do it. I'm like, that seems kind of weird. And I was like, in the comments, people were like, get on her about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, what? I'm sure it's fine. Just for like cleaners or whatever. Just use side mount slides. And then like next day, she posts a follow-up video. And she's like, haha, you guys are so dumb. Because here's the package. They're actually undermount slides. They just look anemic. They look like side mount slides. Oh, that's But funny. they're actually undermount. I'm like, wow, I, I totally fell into that too. I'm like, I... I don't know enough about slides to know that there are actual undermount slides that are that look like tiny, like you know, the thin um, super low profile or something. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I undermount know. slides typically are a, it's a contraption. Like yeah. the whole thing, there's a whole thing to it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It was really weird. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm glad I didn't say anything at, at that point. Cause I'm like, yeah. I could be that guy that offers that advice. I'd still be wrong. God, what a jerk you would have been, huh? I would have been. I would have been like Good every thing. other person on TikTok giving her crap about it. Yeah. Well, since you said that, wow. I just Googled it and apparently spray painting is acceptable down to 50 degrees. Like mm-hmm. three manufacturers. <laughs> now, granted, it was 45 degrees, but maybe it had been 50 degrees when she started. So I could have, like Matt said, could have been like, I thought maybe I knew. It was, I was, maybe it was in the sun and the surface temperature. Was well, there was warm. no sun. Was she also was maybe some- <laughs> bringing these back into the garage at some point? Cause I've done that. I've True. sprayed outside when it was super cold, but immediately brought the thing back inside. Yeah. Except that I walked like almost a mile between the first time I saw her and the second time I saw her. So yeah, maybe yeah. not. And it was cloudy <sighs> and kind of damp all day. So they also say, don't do it above 85% humidity. It was probably like 90% humidity all day. Cause I've been raining, but anyway, still <laughs> besides the point, I'm trying to justify my blowheartedness in, in other words. And that's just, <laughs> yeah. Glad I just kept walking. I think you should put the show on a flash drive and just leave it in her mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> right. She had no idea who you are, <laughs> why she got this thing, but uh, it'd be one more fan of the show, you know? So there's a net positive. All right. Okay. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, criticism can suck sometimes. Yeah, it can, <laughs> but it can be good. It could be really good. All right. So let's do some kickback and announcements. Yeah. Speaking of, well, not criticism, but, uh, uh, feedback advice. We talked about uh, wood countertops a couple shows ago. We talked about wood countertops on our last show. So Alan wrote in and said there was a unanimous poo-pooing of wood countertops on a recent show. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, this is the whole reason I'm reading this, just because he said unanimous poo-pooing. Um, while I agree, <laughs> I agree there's some big drawbacks to having wood countertops. For me, there was one big advantage over stone, marble, etc. It was the price. I was uh, in a race to refinish my kitchen a couple years ago while my wife was pregnant with our daughter and I wanted to get the job done fast and cheap with about 18 feet of linear countertop to replace, 11 feet of which is one continuous counter. The typical choices were pretty pricey at about $3,000 based on some quotes. Formica was out of the question. However, raw cherry countertop was a great deal at about $800. Um, I had to cut and finish it myself, 18 feet of countertop sanding using a five inch random mortable sander is no picnic, but I couldn't beat the price. I had the same concerns about water, but so far it's been pretty good. After nearly three years, there are a couple of spots that need sanding and refinishing. Uh, We have to be careful around the sink, but I'm happy with the decision. Someday when we have more time and money, we will probably replace it with stone. (laughs) But for now, it's been a pretty good and cost-effective solution. So I'm not sure, Alan, if you just like undercut your entire review by saying that, but (laughs) there we go. It's a ringing endorsement of wood countertops right there. I think so. (laughs) It's the most backhanded endorsement I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fine until you can get stone. Is that? <laughs> good hold of, that's the whole branding. Wood countertops. It's great yeah. until you can afford something better. <laughs> a little bit better than for Micah. That's a tagline. Well, I also oh, love no. that it was cheap, but he had to do all the finishing, sanding and install, you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a countertop surface. It's functional. It gets the job done, no doubt about it. So if it's working for him, great. Yeah. But I think, you know, definitely there's other people with different opinions will have a superior options <laughs> to choose from if they have the budget. I think it can be okay, like in an area where it's not the sink or not near the stove. Sure, but okay it's with it. still like, got to look at it. I mean, that was part of our objection as well is I, I that much that wood. I'm trying, I'm trying, thing. I'm really trying, Mark. <laughs> trying to see this <laughs> listen don't be critical of me okay it's fine. no i mean just a little bit just I can't handle it i mean you were asking for advice that's true so it's not unsolicited it was so very true <laughs> well you know who won't give you unsolicited advice mm. oh mm. not as good as last time mark i'm sorry <sighs> that's a, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here uh, we're talking about our friends over at rockler <laughs> they got some awesome router 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 tapers. They, <laughs> they, they got them some router tapers. Let's go get us some router tables. Table well, if you want to build your own dream router table with Rockler's new online router table configurator, uh, pick your router table package plus a uh, plus a plate of your choice. Uh, and yeah, I guess it's called a plate, huh? That just struck me weird talking about a the, router plate. Yeah, the insert. Daily, yeah. but yeah, it's a plate. Okay. The plate of your choice with a router table from scratch. Uh, I played with this thing. It's pretty fantastic. The options are extensive ranging from high pressure laminate, which you could also use on your kitchen countertops if you want to, <laughs> to <laughs> cast iron router tabletops, uh, customizable stands, award-winning router lifts, and the router table accessories that you might need to make this your dream router table. Uh, pick the top, the fence, the stand, the plate, and many other accessories at rockler.com slash router dash tables. Look, even if you don't want to go there and buy stuff and you just want to kind of window shop, this is super fun. Go there and configure any kind of router table you want. I, I'm telling you, I still have not bit the bullet on this, but those cast iron tabletops for router tables is very appealing. It's very tempting, and I've just never gone that far with it. But um, I love the f- that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was an accidental swear. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love the fact Just thinking about that grinder again uh, is that was i love the fact what do i even love now i don't even know what i loved about it but i loved it so much i believe and love it <laughs> anyway you gotta go there and uh jiggle a router table together get that thing oh going oh my gosh mm. just jiggle it just jiggy with jiggle it. it around uh no it's super fun it's super fun to, to just kind of play with the different uh add-ons and lifts and they got some really quality stuff there. So rockler.com slash router dash tables. And I'll be making a little production note here about uh, bleeping out an accidental <laughs> swear. I have been actually. You didn't actually get it all the way out, to be fair. I mean, you, 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 you got a lot of it. it. No, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I gotta go back and listen to it because. <laughs> here, I'll put the note I, in there. If I needed. heard it. But I don't know if I heard it because that's what I was expecting. Well, or I, I heard I, it because you said the whole word. Yeah, I kind of I caught it fast enough to like trail off at the end but it's still i, I feel like i said it <laughs> could be inferred that's what you i mean said, if you're gonna drop an f-bomb at least do it during a mid-roll ad <laughs> yeah during an yeah, ad that's great yeah and make it accidental yeah. <laughs> it was legitimately accidental not even like i meant to say the word and just forgot i was doing a podcast i think it's like, good you, you missed the consonants of the end it was you just kind of trailed <laughs> off okay anyway um what are we doing what is this? <laughs> Doing a show. Can I say something about the cast iron top on please, a router table? Please, let's talk about that more. Real quick. Yeah. I've been thinking about that lately too. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the magnetic power feeders from MagSwitch. Yes. But I'm like, okay, you can mount it on any cast iron surface. I'm like, well, I'd be like on the shaper. If you have an actual shaper, that's where you see power feeds a lot of time. Sure. Yeah. On a router table, if it's have a cast iron top, you can use that magnetic power feeder mount thing. And right. uh, have power feed on your router table, which I think would be actually more useful than anywhere else in the shop for power feed. Yeah. Well, and how many other accessories are, you know, based on magnets that would be super handy to have over there? A lot. So this is the way this is set up is really cool too. So the, I'm just stepping through the package here and they just walk you through each one of the steps. What do you want for your top? They got the high pressure laminate, then there's a phenolic, and then the big boy is the, uh, the cast iron. Um, and it's, you know, arranged in, in price. And let's go to the next step. Then you, what size is that then? Is that like the standard? They all look like the standard. The same size? Size. Um, let me see if it says. You have to go to each individual one, but it doesn't, there's nothing unusual about the size. 
Uh, then you pick your fence. And of course they got the standard more like bare bones kind of fence, the pro, uh, and then they have a pro max fence, which looks pretty decent. Then a whole, wow, they got a whole selection of lifts. This is great guys. You got to go there. Check this out. Uh, rockler.com slash router dash table or router dash tables. What, what, what the heck was it? tables? What was the link? Yeah, it's, like, it's basically the same kind of the same size, huh? For all of them. I think so. In the cast there. That's cool. Yeah. Router dash tables. Well, and I think that's why I've always hes- hesitated with the uh, cast iron because it's like by the time you go cast iron on a router table, there's already enough money invested in a router table that people level the criticism. Why don't you just have a shaper? <laughs> right? Because they can't, they can't spin that fast. Well, they can't spin that fast. They didn't, it's not as versatile. Um, you can't take the motor out and go over to your workbench with it if if that's your thing. They're terrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> Watch They're me. pretty terrifying. <laughs> take but by a the time shaper you put, motor out. But like by the time it. you get that cast iron top on there, you're starting to get pretty damn close to, to a shaper. But either way, I still, I, I definitely, at this point in my career and the kind of work I do, I still prefer the format of a router table and you give me that cast iron top. I'm going to be a happy boy. Maybe yeah, we should stuff. like, we should probably get one. You and me together to no, share. Cool. <laughs> you get it on <laughs> like at the same time at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Joint custody of the a router table ship it back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds practical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so very good. Thanks to Rockler for sponsoring the show. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, let's get into our questions here. So these uh, second show questions typically are kind of joint questions that we can all chime in on. Oscar wanted to know when building furniture, how do you decide if it will be solid wood boards or if you're going to use plywood? Uh, I think if I want to spend money or not. Uh Yeah. Well, it doesn't (laughs) depend also on, you know, lately plywood's a lot more expensive than, than it used to be. I was going to say, cause you know, my wood is air quotes free. Yeah. Free from robbing it from mother nature. You monster. Okay. I mean, the tree robbed the carbon from the air. All right. Just pulled it out of the air and <sighs> turned it into like wood. It robbed the carbon who's, from the who's air. Robbing, who's robbing who? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Trees are out there sequestering carbon and we expect <laughs> us to, you know, let them do that. Let them do it scot free <laughs> and not have any retribution. <laughs> Bunch of tree jerks. Uh, so I think for me, uh, this usually comes down to appearance first. Uh, when I have a thing I need to design, I start to look at like, okay, what is it going to look like? And in some cases you just can't get there with plywood and get the look that you want, or you have compromises with plywood. Um, you know, the, there's also functional sides of things where solid wood just may not make sense for that. If I'm doing a bottom panel on a cabinet that's on the inside of a cabinet, it's a real good chance. I'm not going to use solid wood there. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, uh, and you have to go through extra pains to accommodate a solid panel if it's in a you know captured uh, situation like that. So for me, usually looks is the first thing and that guides my decisions. And then if I could be, you know, make some practical choices to bring plywood into it, I will try to do that, but not if it's going to detract from the look that I'm going for. So you guys have like any kind of decision matrix you have with something like this? It's pretty much a wood movement thing for me. Um, Cause I, I never am really a fan of the look of plywood. Um, just when you put plywood and solid wood together, to me, it's just so very, very obvious that that's plywood. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at least lately I'm using plywood when I'm veneering it over top. Um, <clears throat> or I suppose if you're specifically getting a contrast, it's okay, but I would rather use plywood in a situation where I can just kind of like ignore wood movement. Um, yeah. And, and kind of get a free pass there. When you say that it's noticeable, if you have, let's say shops on veneers on top of a sheet good, mm-hmm. does it still, like maintain is it simply the flatness or the evenness of it? Or is it just the fact that there's something about that thin veneer that's obvious to you? Usually it's the grain. Um, Just in Mm -hmm. order to get a wider panel like that, you either have to do a slip match or, you know, certainly some rotary cut to me, rotary cut. I don't like the look of rotary cut. Um, If I, you know, if money were never an object, I would try to buy all, you know, quartered plywood. Because uh, at least mm-hmm. then it, you know, you can't quite see the lines, but even then you kind of, I don't know, it just, it looks artificial to me. Yeah. Um, okay. And that kind of stands out. Plus the color is never quite the same because obviously it's, yeah. it's really literally only skin deep. So the, the finish is only soaking in so far and you're not getting that same depth and, and luster. It just ends up looking well flat <laughs> with, yeah. which I suppose is a good thing, but not from a visual perspective. 
So I'm curious, Matt, when you have this like endless supply of solid <laughs> material, do you have to like, when do you start thinking about plywood or is it, is it a last resort? Like I only, the only, like, I don't know. I designed something where I, a wood movement, I can't get around it. I have no choice. I have to use plywood. Now I got to go buy a sheet of plywood. That's usually how it works. Yeah. I, I, even before I was this far into producing my own solid material, I've always preferred the the challenge and the artistry of working with solid wood mm -hmm. anyway. So even just for like case work, like I'd rather do a solid wood piece in a case, like, like dovetail the case together versus doing something with plywood, probably not dovetailing it together. Yeah. That doesn't really appeal to me as far as like fun. That's not fun. Or interest goes. That's not fun. I've tried that. <laughs> it's, it's not fun yeah. at all. There yeah. you go. It's more, more for me just like, what do I get the enjoyment out of? I enjoy the challenge of like, okay, how do I design something in a way that takes wood movement into account? Um, and I go to plywood if I need something where I, I absolutely cannot um, account for the wood movement mm -hmm. or I need that piece of plywood to be a structural part or I need, I'm sorry, I need that panel to be a structural part of the, of the project, not yeah. just the frame. Right. So like for my tool cabinet, I use plywood panels because I can glue them directly into the grooves and now they become an integral part of the actual door. Yeah. And they're actually there structurally, not just to hang stuff on. They're an integral part of the structure. That makes sense. Well, you're about to have a whole bunch of fun with these uh, kitchen cabinets you got coming. I'm looking forward to that. That's well, I'm going to speak of unsolicited advice. I'm going to get a whole lot of it because I'm going to build them like oh, baby. a dummy like yeah. me, like I would. I'm going to approach it how a furniture maker would approach making cabinets. It's going to take you 10 times longer and be 10 times harder than it needs to be. We'll see about that. We'll see. And let me give you a little hint. If you're unsure about something, you post a picture or something <laughs> way ahead of time, like well before you're even doing anything with it. Let the suggestions come in, work it all out, and then incorporate that into what you're doing later. So you. I've been, I've been thinking about it and I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards instead of building individual cabinets or like, and then, you know, screw them together like you normally would. Sure. Just make them one big one and be done with it. Huh. I mean, why not? I mean, that's what Norm that's, did, right? In that's shop. what I'm thinking now. I'm like, why, why, if I have, I know the layout's going to be, I know the exact spacing has to go into. I'm building it on site. Why would I make like eight different boxes and then put them in the room and screw them together and make sure they're all lined up and flush and have a seam in all the face frames. I can make one big face frame with no seams where all the different box areas connect. Well, could you even do like a cleat system? So you have a, a cleat where now really all you have to do is put dividers in place and secure them to the cleat. So you don't even have to do full cabinetry here. It's just dividers, fronts, and a system that's got it anchored to the wall. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. I think people are going to be questioning some stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of times <laughs> it just comes down to shipping, right? Like, yeah, you know, yes, cabinet, that's the way the industry a, a does kitchen it, is it built sense. somewhere else and then flat packed, you know, or put in a, in a container and shipped over. And then, you, you know, you don't know, like, can you, could you, uh, wrestle an eight foot face frame assembly through a door? What is there space in there? You just don't know. So, um, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, if you know that you can get it in well, there. Well, and I think so much of the industry is designed around modularity. Yeah. And yeah. positioning cabinets in different places. So each one has to be a standalone <clears throat> thing. But if you think about the dividers between cabinets that are butted up against each other, each one of those wastes three quarters of an inch for the yeah, you know, exactly. two yeah. layers of plywood and then add that across the whole size of a kitchen that you're building yourself. That's a lot of extra material. And, and that's and, why I'm thinking doing just one big one because then you just you don't have that dead space between two boxes. Where you have two pieces of plywood instead of one. Yeah. It's more oh, material dude. efficient too. This is cool. I want to see this come together. Well, now. Well, me too. The, the one thing <laughs> I will say. what about when you go to move your kitchen somewhere else? Then you're screwed. <laughs> when you look at like. Move it somewhere else. Cabinet shops. And <laughs> when I. Sorry, you guys. I was thinking about the router table situation. I'm also barring your kitchen on the weekends. Right. Yeah. Great. It's cast iron tops for the countertops. Thing, please. You can yes. get power feed for your. Whatever you're cutting. Yeah, right around yeah, the sink. I love this idea. Cast iron right around the sink. And I'm sorry, we, we rudely interrupted Shannon. No, I was trying to talk about woodworking. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, wrong show. <laughs> don't interrupt the jokes, man. There, there, you can look at different cabinet lines and different millwork houses are going to do it differently. But some of the, like the higher end cabinets, the true custom cabinets, because, you know, custom is always in quotes around cabinets because it is just a series of modular boxes. The custom is like the coat of paint that goes on it or maybe the, 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 
face frame species, yeah. but the true custom ones that are actually designed to fit your space, they generally avoid filler strips and they avoid all those gaps and things. So they're actually building the boxes to fit, you know, around your stove, around your fridge and things like that. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. the sign and, and the, the face frames are always flush fit and they don't have overlap or anything like that because they are designed specifically to fit your space. And that's kind of the, like the red flag. You go into a shop and you see, you know, this is not a custom cabinet, a kitchen. This yeah. is a modular kitchen that's been assembled on mm-hmm. site. So yeah, you, ideally, Matt, if you're doing it yourself, you ought to be able to avoid all of those little things and end up with a truly high quality, increase the resale, resale value of your house type kitchen. Just put casters on everything in there case you, you need to move. <laughs> there you go. That, that way you can move things aside for, more for, the for activities. <laughs> yeah, I love that. All right, you get the next one, dude. Oh, and by dude, dude, I mean okay. Matt. My dude. My dude. Mm-hmm. My dude Justin here. What's up, my dude? Uh, all three of you have been making woodworking projects on YouTube for a long time now, except Matt. He's still a little baby YouTuber. <laughs> little baby. Oh, when, when do you stop becoming a little baby YouTuber? Is it never. It's never relative. Ends? That's the problem. Oh, is that okay? That's what it is. All it's right. only until we get someone else younger than you that's newer that you get to be older. I mean, pretty. I'm almost up to ten years, so I mean, that's I'm getting. It's there. not, it's not until not. Mark and I die, basically. <laughs> That's it. We, we got to make room for you. Why? You're not dead yet? What the heck? <laughs> well, we don't have a giant bandsaw trying to kill us every day. So, yeah. Oh, okay, we can change that. <clears throat> yeah. We, we can work. We, we can you work can get that, that on weekends, too. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> all right, Justin, uh, back to his question. What do you do with all the things you've made? Do you just have houses full of your projects, whether they match each other in form or aesthetics or not? Mm-hmm. Do you donate them or give them away or sell them? Mm-hmm. Mark. Mark. Yes. I know you have made several different tables slash coffee tables and desks. Where did they all go? What did you do with them? Where are they? And when can we see them again? I don't mean to brag, but I'm coffee table rich. (laughs) That's what I like to tell my friends. You even have coffee coffee tables given to you by David Marks too, right? So hopefully you wouldn't say it was given. Well, okay. (laughs) There was an expense associated with that, but yes. Fair enough. It was an exchange. I do have a David Marks coffee table. So, oh, I don't want to answer your question for you. You want to go first? Um, Sure. Yeah. I have a house full of projects. All various (laughs) styles and uh, wood species. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's my house. Yeah. I don't know about it between our house and some stuff has made it to, you know, the family houses, my parents, my sister, my in-laws, you know, that's about it. Really friends and family. Yeah. Furniture museums. I mean, our house is full of just random that you look around anyone who's familiar with things that I built over the years. Um, I would imagine there, excuse me. There are some people who make stuff just for the sake of making videos where it's kind of a piece of crap. It's probably not going to last very long and when it'll eventually end up in a landfill. Um, but okay. I, wouldn't you say that though? Isn't it a fair assessment of some of the things that are being made out there? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Yes. Maybe. Is the only right answer to that question. Sure. Why not? Just I'm keep not talking walking. specifics here. <laughs> Just keep walking. I guess. But yeah, I, I've, you know, my house is really filled with this stuff. So if you look around every guild project I've ever done, it's probably in my living room somewhere. Um, so there does come a time where you make a format of a thing, a particular type of you know furniture that you already have one of. So the way I handle it is if I like it, if I really want it, it's my new upgrade. And then the other one gets downgraded somewhere else. And that's either given to a friend or family member. It's at your mom's house. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, given to my mom. She will always say yes to any piece of furniture. Um, but that's one of the things that like when Jason was here, it was fantastic because they had just moved into a house. They didn't have any decent furniture outside of like a couch. And we were able to start building stuff for his house. And I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't need another dining table, but I want to build another one. So when someone gets a new home and needs all this stuff to outfit it in the family, that's great. I love that because it is just a bunch of stuff that I can make that I don't have to account for where it's going to go. That, that to me is a, is a blast, but my house is a hodgepodge. It's a random mix of Krenov and green and green and mission and arts and crafts and modern. It's all over the map. And I, I mean, what's the end game with this stuff? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so 
but Shannon, before uh, before we go to you, I want I want to ask you guys: Do you get really attached to the things you built, the old furniture, or because it's something that you made and you could make again? Do you kind of look at it like I don't really care what happens to it? Just somebody, as long as someone can use it. Hmm. <clears throat> like in terms of just being protective over it. I'm not protective. I got kids. <laughs> yeah. Can only be no, so they protected. Just, they destroy everything. You know, it's because I tend to like, unless it's something I purposely build for a function, I am not attached to it at all. Like once it's done and a video is done and the plan is together, I kind of don't care what happens to it, which is really weird. There's, there's a little bit of that. And that's why I can like stomach the idea of taking my crap out and putting it in a field in the snow yeah, or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I don't it'll, even care. It'll be fine. Whatever. If I drop this serpentine desk off the pallet forks of the skid steer in the snow, ah, whatever. Yeah. I got the video. I'm done. Wow. Yeah. It's just a weird thing I've noticed. Yeah, I don't go that, I don't go so quite that far. I have had projects where I feel that way. Um, and is it, and is it a way to, to answer my side of this? I'm the same. I have a hodgepodge of stuff. But I have donated some things like to charitable auctions and things. And in those instances, no attachment whatsoever. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of times those are projects that, yeah, let's be real. They were built for content. Um, they weren't built because I needed it or it was a duplicate or our, like um, I built a Queen Anne side table years ago. And that's the last thing I need in my house. Loved building mm-hmm. it. It was a lot of fun. Learned some new techniques, but I donated it to a local church for a um, um Charity oxygen, oxygen, charity auction. Um, but yeah, I could use some charity oxygen right now. <laughs> like I can stand in my living room the other day. I actually counted. There are 11 pieces in my living room that I've built to me. That's just cool. Like, I like that. I like to look around and and there's like, there's memories and all this stuff, but yeah, none of it matches like the, the room, the, mm-hmm. the guest bedroom that I'm sitting in right now where I'm recording this. I have a side table that's in the Sheridan style, federal Sheridan style, Above it is uh, a Chippendale-style mirror hanging on the wall. Next to it is a Shaker-style armoire. Across the hall from it is a like a dresser that is arts and crafts. And then the bed in the corner is a four-poster, like, contemporary Shaker-ish thing. So the only things that matches are the armoire and the bed, and they technically don't even match. And then there's this weird kind of contemporary octagonal table in the corner. None of it matches. Like a interior designer would have a stroke (laughs) in this room. Yeah. It's just just the way things are, you know, but they're pieces that I made. So they kind of fit. The theme is we, me, I made them. (laughs) Shannon is the, Shannon made my style. (laughs) We, uh, last night at dinner, we're having a conversation about the TV console that I'm building for my mom. And we're talking about design considerations, things we may or may not want to do. And she goes, well, ultimately, you know, when I'm not here, you're getting this thing back. And I was like, I don't want your handy, hand me down nope. crap. I don't want that garbage. <laughs> and it was like, I said it as a joke, but then I was like, yeah, actually I probably won't want it. Like <laughs> I will want it for the, the sentimental aspects of it, but it's a very specific piece of furniture. And unless I have a place for it, it's just another thing that now I got to find another home for it. <laughs> um, but I almost surprised myself in how little I, I care. I cared for the fact that I made this thing and now I need to protect its path through life. I want someone to use it and I want it to be loved, but I don't feel that much for it, which is super weird. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, not yeah, entirely. There's a little bit of that. Not entirely. <clears throat> there's a certain, all of this. It's like a certain amount of detachment. I mean, if you're building for clients all the time and you like just fall in love with this piece of furniture, you wish you had it and you got to give it to someone else. Like I think there has to be a level of detachment that I'm going to put my best into this. This is going to be a great piece of furniture, but it's not for me and I I don't need to be attached to it. It's not, um, it's going to someone else. So I have to keep a little bit of distance there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's some pieces that I just happen to like, like more than others that I want to keep around too. Yeah, of course that certainly helps. Do you but. think that the content side of this is the factor here too? Because if let's, let's take the content out. We're just now woodworkers and we're building things. Either someone requested it or we know we need it in our house. In that situation, you're not in a, you know, you're not at the point where you um, have to have variety because who cares? You're doing it for yourself. So if you and your significant others say we like green and green, I want my entire house to be green and green. Well, then that's what you're focusing on. So I wonder if this would be different if we were just building for ourselves and now we are saying we're, we're going around our house looking for where the gaps are and building for those <laughs> gaps. Do we get more protective over it at that point? 
I will tell you, I get more enjoyment out of that. Um, when I've been able to design something based on functions that I need, like Mark, think about your desk, you know, or even that, the Mm -hmm. gaming desk. I mean, when you really got a chance to geek out and, and build the little functional aspects that, that match what you do with it, I think you gain a lot more, you'll gain, you'll be a lot more protective of those things, but this is like the closest that we as content creators will ever get to like pro woodworkers and, and please send the hate mail. I'll, I'll, I'll welcome it. We're not, but you know, <laughs> they build for clients. So they have that detachment because it's, it's a paycheck, you know? Well, in many ways, it's the same thing. You know, we're building cause yeah. it's a paycheck. You're, you're building it for, for that purpose, not, you know, to, to fill a niche in your house, which, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. No, and, and I think like my desk that I'm sitting at right now, I am very attached to that. I, I tend to make a lot of gear changes. Just, I find it fun. <laughs> so I'll, I'll move things around. I'll move my microphone. I'll try Like I get a different monitor in and I'm happy to say that this desk was designed with that kind of mentality so that I could swap things in, move things around. I could, everything is wire managed because of things that were built into it. And this is one of my favorite pieces that I've ever made, uh, just because of that functionality and the fact that I use it every day. There you go. Okay. That was a good question. I like that. Hey, thanks. Uh, you're up next. Oh, wait, no, I didn't send it in. Uh, yeah, this is from Ron. He says, I am a 50 year old newbie to building, but I used to do some refinishing. You can get great stuff if you're willing to buy very used that needs some love. Very convenient when you're poor. (laughs) I'm listening backwards through the show and I'm currently listening to episode 76. Everyone has consistently said that you sand to 220 grit or higher, then apply finish, either oil or film finish. So I have never understood why you need to do why you need to do fine if what you feel is going to be the film finish. Oh, is there a reason to go beyond 120 or 180 with a film finish? Thanks for not quitting or knitting. So I mean, I guess what he's saying is that the surface, the film finish is going to create something smooth. But the problem there, Ron, is the the it telegraphs through. So the you know, granted, I mean, 180 is still pretty fine. Um, I've never really been like a staunch, like must be 220 or, you know, 220 or die. Um, but there is something to be said about surface prep. Um, and the yeah. finer you get in there, the the less possible ripples you may have um, that will really, in many instances, be accentuated by the finish. Um, so going up to 220 is kind of extra insurance. Maybe you don't have to go that high, but you know, what's worse having to remove finish when you find out there's problems later or sanding up to 220 Sanding's pretty awful, yeah. but removing finish is awful, awful or so awful. Yeah. I, I think mainly yeah, I it's because think, it telegraphs uh, through. I'm trying to remember back who knows what the heck I said in the past, but generally speaking, I'm a 180 guy. Yeah. Like if I can't see the scratches anymore, that's far enough. And the surface is cer- certainly smooth enough to take finish at 180. I actually don't use 220 all that often. I mean, there might be reasons to go a little bit higher. Let's say you're just doing an oil finish. Well, in that case, you're not building a film. So you do want to sand to a higher grit. Um, but I agree with his sentiment in general. If you don't see scratches at 180 and a surface looks nice and clean and smooth enough and it's blemish free, start finishing. There, there's no reason to go to 220. Yep. Yeah. Or just skip it all together and use a hand plane. No, I was waiting. Yeah, for see, I, but then you got all this. I didn't want to terrible track marks. Tear out. <laughs> hey, just because you thing. can't use a hand plane, Mark, don't mean that everybody else can't. Yeah, but I actually use real good wood with my projects, not softball wood like you can tell people <laughs> to make wood. it look good when you take that Instagram photo. <laughs> That's I true. love that. I'm, I'm going to use that Look term. at my shaving. Give me some of that softball wood. That's awesome. <laughs> I see what you and Rob Cosman build with. I'm not impressed, my friend. It's not even exotic. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll incorporate more wingy and boobinga. <laughs> I oh. want some interlocking grain, baby. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I've got some Iroko in the shop. I'm, I'll go get it right now. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Do it. Get on it. It's good stuff. All right. Well, uh, I think that uh, I think we're done here, right? Uh, no, there's, oh, no there's one more question that Matt really Are wants we? to know about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we, we, we tease this. We have to do this question. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Jason wants to know how long to yeah, mill yeah. boards. He says, hey, I had a question on how much time it should take to mill boards for projects, YouTube videos, 
of people making projects um, show them jointing and planing boards in what appears to be the same day. I've tried this approach and my boards have a tendency to not stay square. I think I need to take multiple days to mill boards to square and final thickness, but I'm not sure what the guidelines are. Joint almost flat one day. Oh, sorry. Read this properly. Joint almost flat on day one. Joint flat on day two. Plane slightly on day three. Are there instances or situations when I can mill my boards all in the same day? Uh, reveal to me the behind the scenes magic. Oh my God. Really interesting question. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> real time board milling. Is it? <laughs> so that's, the, that's why I call it that. Like what is true? Oh, you call it that. That explains why it makes no sense. Yeah. Okay. Real time board. That's fine. Look, it was compelling, right? You were interested, weren't you? Oh God. You know, I hate that you're right. Mission accomplished, I hate it. baby. I absolutely hate it so much. <laughs> I just seriously admire Jason's patience that he's seriously considering milling a board over the course of four days. Yeah. I mean, let's, wow. let's, let's be real. If you do that, that is probably going to give you the best results, right? Like giving the board time between each stage of material removal to acclimate and move all it's going to move. I think he will end up with the best possible scenario in terms of the final result of that board. But I don't know anybody who does that. And that's assuming like, like perfect climate conditions throughout all that time. I mean, I've had boards move just because a storm blows through. Um, yeah. You know, it's perfectly flat. I don't know. I like to go faster. <laughs> I like to get the, it the in the joinery I, to hold it flat. <laughs> like the only time I would do this is if I had a something that was like a freestanding panel that tended to go to the thinner side of things. And I'm not going to, I know it's not going to be anchored, maybe like a sliding door and it's, you want it at a, at a solid wood or something. And I want to make sure that this thing is like yeah. letting all of its moisture out. I want to take my time. I'm going to sticker and stack it. I'm going to take maybe a few days to get it down to final thickness. Maybe if I'm, that's, if I'm feeling super adventurous, take those that. delicate spagnolo passes on the joiner. Yeah, yeah baby. Well, my joiner doesn't go any more than a 32nd of an inch. Everybody knows that <laughs> it's locked. It's uh, there's a governor on it. <laughs> So like I, I, there are cases where I think you can justify going through this painstaking sort of multi-day process, but I think most people are going to move faster than that. Uh, there might be times where maybe I suspect this wood might have a little bit of extra moisture and I've got time in my schedule. So let me just do a quick mill today, just like a rough skip planing and then let that board sit because I know I have the material to spare. But if I'm moving forward on a project, it's all in the same day. I'm going to uh, mill it to thickness. I'm going to try. That's the key though. I want it. I don't want to just mill these and let them sit for three days. I'm going to mill them and try to get the joinery cut as soon as possible uh, and keep that time frame minimized. So, I mean, I, I generally do uh, go fairly quickly, but my other boards, if I'm not ready to work them today and not ready to put the joinery in them, I'm going to keep them on the side. Yeah. Uh, I've got some door parts right now. I'm working on a case, but the door parts are just kind of roughly cut to length have not been milled at all. And they're just kind of chilling out there waiting for me to get to them. I don't want to mill them up too far ahead of time. Agreed. I'm a big fan of, of rough cutting like as much as you can to kind of rough, especially length, just because most yeah. of the moisture is lost through the ingrain of the board. So I will, um, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the project is going from rough lumber to a bunch of smaller bits of rough lumber. Because um, yeah. you really start to compose grain and all that stuff. But I will, I will mill one piece at a time, you know. Um, now this is a hand tool shop speaking, but like if I'm doing uh, say frame and panel and I've got to mill the, the frame and the panel, I will mill a rail and mill a style, join those together and then mill another rail and join that. You know, I'll, I'll walk through milling to joinery and then go back to milling and then join that. I try to join it as quick as possible because that will help to restrain things. Um, yeah. With that exception, I think that's a good example, like a sliding door. You imagine like a, a quarter inch thick sliding door go real slow and delicate, like try to keep it yeah. flat. If you can afford the time. Yeah. Um, Matt, you do anything differently here with your uh, crappy air dried stuff you use all the time? I do the slow method. How slow? <laughs> I just usually do two milling sessions. Uh, and what I'll usually do is I'll do like an initial rough milling on all the parts once they're cut to rough length. And then when I'm ready to pull that piece into the project, then I'll do a final milling on them. But hang on. What's your starting thickness? with the stuff because you cut it way way thicker than your stuff yeah. so you, uh, my four quarter will be like inch and an eighth so if i'm taking that to three quarter that's that's a good amount of planing so that's an important caveat right 
Because you're not taking like lumber. What are you? What are you lumber getting? shop are you for a quarter S2S? and doing a two part milling? You're, you're taking Cremona for a quarter and doing Cremona a two part milling on it. <laughs> so I think that's the thing. When you have room to spare, it can kind of change the approach. Two things are happening. You basically have um, a thicker amount of material, so you may have the moisture um, issue happening. So if you're removing a lot of material, oh, there's sure. more potential yeah. for movement. So you do want to ease your way down there. Um, but you also just have more room to play. So why the heck not do that? Yeah. It also kind of depends on where I've had that stuff stored before right. I use it. Yeah. Um, so if I, if it's something I'm pulling out of the barn, it's going to have a much higher moisture content than the shop will. Mm, okay. But if it is something that has stored in my warehouse, it's at indoor equilibrium anyway. So that's not going to really change moisture wise yeah. coming into the shop. But that's also a good but point. I, Milling in order to accelerate moisture like moisture exchange because mm-hmm. people often yeah, like, Oh, that this is a higher moisture content. I should bring it in the shop and leave it in the shop for like two weeks. No, go ahead and mill it. Just don't mill it Especially all the way. If you got the extra, you got the extra thickness. Yeah. Peel some of that off of there. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get Peel a much back. faster equilibrium, <laughs> e- equilibration. That's not a word. Um, it is now acclimatization. Yeah, now it it'll, it'll, it'll equalize a lot faster if you plane it, you know, if, if you, bring fresh uh, wood cells to the surface and everything. The other thing we should add to Jason is um, that whole idea of trying to remove wood evenly from each side is probably something you should pay very close attention to. So if, if he is like milling one day and then milling another day, don't just mill one face one day and then come back and mill the other face on the next day. You want to remove wood from both faces of the board as evenly as you can so if you make one pass through the planer, flip it and make another pass on the on the opposite face on the planer and then set it aside. Um, ideally, sticker it so you get airflow around it if you're going to set it aside. But I run into that a lot. And I think it used to be like back in the Glenn Huey, Bob Lang days of popular woodworking. I remember Glenn Huey did a, a video on this and it was a big deal at the time. And then like nobody's talked about that in any of the magazines. Well, magazines don't really exist anymore, which is probably why. Um, but I brought this up again very recently in hand tool school and it was like, (laughs) I was like a prophet or something like nobody had heard this before. Um, and I was like, I thought it was because people knew it now. Well, and and that was like, no one's talking about it. It's become common sense. That was my assumption as well. And I was absolutely wrong. This was something that people were like, Oh my God, I never thought about that. So this is one of those things, Mark, you and I are now old enough. <laughs> yeah. We assume people know it because we've known it for 10 years, but no, they, they don't know it. What about me? Yeah. I'm not part of the club. Matt, you, no, you're you, baby. You can be YouTube. old enough too. Oh, oh thank you. Until, <laughs> until you your YouTube you channel predates YouTube, shut up. <clears throat> okay. Okay. <laughs> He's not wrong though. Unless you had a Blip TV account <laughs> and a Ustream channel. I pipe down. Do you no, even just... Blip, bro? <laughs> Do you even Blip? Oh my God. There's a t-shirt. Right <laughs> what there. reality am I living in right now? <laughs> Uh, the one where you're stuck with two maniacs doing a podcast every month that's Uh, stuck is the right word for it virtual fist bump wherever he is right now contractually bound contractually obligated yeah that that's definitely more (laughs) that's definitely the truth yeah well you also know who is contractually obligated guys (laughs) (laughs) zing okay i take it back that's this is the best one that is the best one Our friends at Rockler, they are family owned since 1954 and Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you. Use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most online orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Very nice. And if you win, 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 win. Ha- have gone to Patreon, Patriot, Patreon.com. <laughs> Patreon. Dude, you're, you're as bad as me today. Yeah. We're both yeah, rubbing off. Getting bad. Rubbing off. If you're a patron of the show, you too are contractually obligated to send in a question. I mean, come on, you're paying money. Get your questions answered. We will happily ignore in. them in our inbox for nine months until your question is irrelevant, and then we will answer it. We're very, very good at this. <laughs> so go to woodtalkshow.com, fill out the contact form, or fire up your email machine and send an email to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram. We're woodtalkshow there. But you know what? We have our own accounts. You can go to Matt Cremona, Wood Whisper, or Renaissance Woodworker and find what we's up to. 
<laughs> what we's up? He's up to. And then you can skip what's on the bench. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know. Okay. Well, I think that does it for us today. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. If, if there is a next time. If there is a next time. Matt may not be here. <laughs>